What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum from Duke University. Brown on the break for the Celtics. Goes around the world. Oh, the circus game in a Boston. Walker for three. Kemba Walker from downtown. Tatum drives down. Let's throw it down. Wow. Rebound. Gordon Hayward for two. Gordon Hayward with a corner crash. No block out. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Tom Westerholm of Mass Live, joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe. Nicole, how you doing? Pretty good, Tom. I really, really enjoyed that the day after we released our podcast where we, you know, asked some questions about who Ennis Cantor's Twitter guests have been. He had the situation of uh, Jersey Shore fame on I felt like that was as well-timed as we could have asked for. Yes, nothing like Ennis Cantor finding the um, MTV reality stars of 2009, <laughs> like 10, yeah, like, maybe? I mean, that's that's my favorite thing about it is just like, Ennis just really seems to be into very old reality TV. I respect it. We all got to find our ways to entertain ourselves during quarantine. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges join them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. So our guest today is Ryan Bernardoni, truly one of the smartest people, especially on the salary cap. We're thrilled to have you on. You were tweeting about something the other day that I just kind of got started thinking about. I think for most Celtics fans, most Celtics people, it's been sort of, you know, I don't want to say like accepted or like common knowledge, but it's definitely been something that people expect that Gordon Hayward, whose contract has a player option after this year, would probably opt in given everything that's been going on. You aren't as convinced. Yeah, well, so I'm not as convinced because I don't know what the salary cap situation will look like this summer. And so I think you know, anybody can make an assumption and sort of say, you know, I assume that it will be one thing or another, right? I assume that the salary cap is going to be $90 million, or I assume it's going to be $115 million, or I assume that they're going to rip up the entire CBA. And from each of those positions, you can try to make some assumption as to what any individual player will do, right? But like, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I don't know what will happen with the remainder of this season or what will happen in terms of what agreements they come to moving forward. So to me, it's, there's no real clear, this player is going to do that. If you tell me exactly what the situation is going to be, then I can sort of make a more educated guess about it. 
the conversation that we were having and uh, I was having this conversation with Keith Smith, who is also, you know, really good on everything cap related mm-hmm. and plugged into the, the Celtics and, you know, anybody who follows me on Twitter probably follows him as well. Um, and so we were having this conversation in the context of thinking that the salary cap next year is not going to like fall through the floor, right? If the salary cap goes down to $90 million and everything goes crazy, then he's going to opt in because right, there right. won't be any money anywhere else. And like the fallout of that would be really significant. Like he might get waived actually, like he might get stretched basically on to save salary cap or to save tax money. It, really strange things could happen if you get into one of those like extreme situations. The thought that the league and the players association are going to do something to stabilize the salary cap for next year. My point was, it's sort of a question then of how much risk you're willing to take. If you've made hundreds of million dollars in your career, maybe you're willing to take a lot of risk and then I'll be wrong about this. But the point that I had was, if they stabilize it next year artificially, if they just say the salary cap's going to be $115 million, we didn't make enough money for it to be $115 million, but we're going to do other things to claw back that money. And we're going to sort of pretend that the salary cap is $115 million. Then you don't know what the next year is going to be. Right. It might be that the, that there is a big salary cap drop coming, but that it's next year they're going to basically like pretend that it's one thing, pump it up, see what happens. And then if they're canceling games for the following season, then they can't just keep pretending that the salary cap is like they'll have to at some point retract some, you know, pull back some of that money and have the, the cap shrink. And so mm-hmm. it could be that the best opportunity for him to like opt out and lock in a long term contract if he wants to stay in Boston would actually be at the period of time where they're like, pretending that nothing's going on still instead of potentially a year down the line when they have to adjust to reality and right I hope that that's not the reality I hope that there's a vaccine and that the season next season goes on perfectly and they get back to normal and that none of that matters but like when this season ends it's very likely that they won't know that and so there are you know so that was my sort of thought process what we were talking through is like depending on what you're you know, how much exposure to risk you're willing to take, it may actually make sense for him to opt out and, and sign, you know, a longer term contract right now. For sure. So just to back it up real quick, in terms of the players and the league agreeing on basically like keeping the cap where it is, from what you can tell, what would be some of maybe the benefits and and maybe some of the risks that would be involved in a plan like that? So this is going to get uh, a little, I don't know how deep into the weeds you want me to get. Um, oh, let's get weedy. On some of let's these things. <laughs> All right. Um, so the, I think the opinion that most people who follow cap stuff relatively closely, and I would say that, that this is another, I'm going to name check another person on Twitter, Albert Namad, who's a, mm-hmm. a heat yep. fan, but basically everybody within the NBA has to like follow him because he breaks a lot of news on finances of the league and things like that before anybody else does mm-hmm. and he's probably like the lead sort of thinker on these sorts of things right now and I think he was probably the first person to get really serious into to talking about this topic but um, most people again who follow the cap stuff I think believe that in the short term the clearest thing that the league could do is uh, instead of letting the the CBA work the way it was designed to which would drop the cap by a ton of money next year and then also drop the luxury tax by a lot next year. Uh, the problem is that the CBA is sort of meant to f- work within certain sort of guardrails. Like there's a, a sort of a, an upper and lower threshold for which it start, it makes sense. And once you go out of those, like you can do the math and you can continue to have it work the way it works. But like it kind of breaks the entire league. Like if the salary cap did really drop, you know, if they were projecting $115 million and it dropped to $90 million, well, suddenly the luxury tax also 
drops $30 million. Right. Yeah. And I sort of said, Gordon Hayward might get waived and stretched because like the Celtics would suddenly be in, you know, oh, a hundred million dollars in luxury tax bills instead <laughs> right. of $10 million. Like it, it goes wild if you let it just follow out on its normal math. So the way that I think most of us are thinking that would be the logical thing to do is basically they say, for a year, we're going to just sort of play along and, and pretend that things are normal. And the way you would do that is similar to what they did this year, which is that there's something called escrow, which is a complicated thing. And again, I can get into the weeds on it if we really want to, but I don't necessarily know if anybody wants to hear about it that much. But you basically, <laughs> every paycheck, players get a little bit withheld from it. They get 10% of it withheld normally. And that's because the, the exact official amount players get is pretty complicated. And they right. do this thing, they withhold some of it, and then you get paid out at the end of the year. And what they did this year is when it was clear that they were going to not make as much money as everybody expected, they increased that escrow amount. And they said, we're going to keep paying you, but we're going to withhold more of it. And just assume that you're never getting it back. Just assume that you took a pay cut. And we're going to do it through this thing called escrow. And that that's what you could do next year. You could just say, the salary cap is $115 million. We're not going to make enough money for it to be $115 million. So what we're going to do is we're going to make it $115 million, and we're going to withhold 25% of everybody's pay. And just if things go really well, you'll get some of it back. Maybe you'll get all of it back if things go like great, but just kind of assume that you're never going to see that money again. <laughs> and that lets you, again, pretend for a year. And then two years down the line, you figure out how you really want things to go. And that's really what it's doing. It's, it's just there are ways to artificially inflate the cap so that, you know, you buy yourself time, basically, and you don't go and and break the league or have to renegotiate an entire CBA in six weeks during a pandemic. Like you don't have to do any of that kind of crazy <laughs> stuff. You're, you're buying yourself time. Right. And that's where I've sort of been saying is like, if they're in that position, then Hayward, any other player in his position could look at it and be like, okay, right now, everybody's pretending things are normal. So, so I can pretend things are normal as well. And I can sign a new hundred million dollar contract. Mm -hmm. Because maybe a year from now, that won't be like anywhere close to being possible. Um, and I just don't know, right? Again, I can't see the future. But it's not like unreasonable to think that way. For sure. So I guess like more generally speaking, something that I've been thinking about is, do you think the league is going to make any sort of announcement? Or do you think they need to make an announcement? Like technically, Hayward's contract ends the 30th of June right now. Like what sort of timeline do you envision? So they're going to have to revise all of these contracts, uh, for one thing. Now, that's part of the good thing about having it be basically a union negotiating with a league is that they can just sort of come to agreements on, on some of those things and hopefully nobody pushes back. I don't know, Spencer Dinwiddie is kind of crazy about his contract. Maybe he would like freak out about it. I don't know. But um, you are dealing with collective bargaining here. So some of that kind of stuff around the technicalities should be, they should be able to work them out pretty well. But that is something that I've been sort of harping on a little bit. All this stuff about, okay, we're going to start uh, a league in, you know, Disney World and, and Las Vegas, and it's going to be in the middle of June. And we don't, we're going to play seven games to get to 70 games so that we get to collect money from the local cable contracts. And then we're going to have a 16-team playoff. Like, that whole idea, I understand why they're trying to leave it out there. But it seems relatively unlikely that they would one be able to actually start that and two complete it right it's one thing to start it it's something else to have the first team that has three people get sick and don't show up to games right and if you're planning on playing 
40 games through, you know, a, a whole set of playoffs and a seven game remainder of the regular season. Like the idea that you're going to, you're going to be able to do that is a little bit sketchy to me. But the, the thing that really comes up is exactly what you just said. At some point you have to draw a line. You can't start your off season. So you can't do the draft. You can't do the lottery to do the draft. You can't set the salary cap. You can't have free agency. You can't start your 2020, 2021 season until you've actually like officially closed this season out. And so even though they may throw that out there of like mid June, we're going to be starting games. If they get close to that and they can't actually start the games, they're going to just have to like do something, right? They're going to have to either cancel it or they're going to have to say, we're having a 14 playoff. We don't care. We're just, we're having a 14 playoff. We're going to try to get this done as quickly as we can. We're just going to put it behind us and we're going to move on to all the other stuff because until they finish this season, it's all just sort of up in the air and, I, who knows what what any of this stuff really means and contracts are are a big part of that because you can revise them but then what if you have to revise them again and then what if players start to push back and say hey i need to know where my family is going to live next year that can that can get really weird if they don't ever actually like officially close things out for this season so one thing i was wondering if the owners are and the players do agree to basically lock it in, like you were saying, which, which you know does make sense, artificially inflated, all that. Would there be a, a concern on the part of the owners that, okay, like let's say that the Celtics re-sign Hayward for like a really big contract and you know he's locked in, okay, great. They also have to pay Jason Tatum, like, okay, you know, presumably he's you know locked in for the next season. Like if things don't rebound or if things don't like get back to where they are, are, are teams, you know, kind of setting themselves up for sort of almost an, an even worse disaster scenario you know next season like you know obviously we all hope that there is a vaccine but I mean we don't know like if kind of the money well dries up and then there also isn't a big influx on the horizon could teams put themselves in a really really tough position that way yeah so obviously there's two sides to any negotiation like this so if you're in a position where someone like Gordon Hayward is looking out at the future and saying like oh, you know I think I want to take this cash while it's available it's not guaranteed that the team won't be looking at the same thing and saying, I don't want to give this cash out, even though it seems available. Um, so that's certainly within the realm of possibility. The league does still have some amount of protection. The league sort of in general, certain teams could maybe be more exposed than others. But um, if things go really bad, right, we've been talking about how they could cancel this season, the force majeure provision, which has been talked about in a number of different places, which basically is their way of saying like, we're canceling games. And so we're not paying you. It's basically what it means, right? Something has, terrible has happened. We're canceling games. You're not getting paid. And that also functionally ends the CBA and contractually forces both sides to go back into good faith negotiations to create something new. And so if you started next season and things were just as bad and people were getting sick and, you know, as some people have, have posited that maybe it'll get better over the summer and then you'll have a, it'll come back in the fall and the winter when it gets cold again. We don't right. really know. Uh, you might be in a position where like they finish this season, they prop it up for next season, they're getting close to starting next season, and the whole thing crashes again, and they have to shut it down. The The league would at least have some protection where they could then invoke some of these um, you know, items like force majeure and say like shut down the season at that point and force a new CBA. It's the The hypotheticals here can get really out there and really wild. Like It could be that they cancel the season and tear up the entire CBA and they have to uh, revise all existing contracts. And, you know, I was saying yesterday, like you could get into a position where like the way that you resolve some of these problems is that you revise everybody's contract to be a percentage of the salary cap. And you have to collectively bargain that. And mm -hmm. 
and you you know what would go into that would be really complicated but that type of thing isn't like completely off the table right now i mean we're talking we're talking about quarantining the entire league in a theme park for two months <laughs> to play games right now crazy things are on the table uh, and so certainly uh it would be reasonable for for a team like the Celtics to look at and be like yeah no we understand why you want to sign the extension but you need to understand that that's why we don't want to sign the extension right and it's just hard to hard to know what anybody's mindset is going to be you know even a, a couple days from now let alone a couple months yeah that is going to be just a fascinating thing to watch guys looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds get to bluechew.com bluechew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to a doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's blue Chew dot com promo code blue wire you in the past have been really i mean you're really good at reading the salary cap uh and and so i, I think that in a lot of ways that helps you understand you know what the celtics might be trying to do down the road and a couple of times you've seemed to have a pretty good uh a pretty good picture of, of where they're trying to go where do you feel like they're going now you know build around tatum and, and see what happens i think it's that <laughs> i think it's okay, the jason yeah. tatum show um <laughs> Ainge has always been very open about his view of the league, which I think is anybody who follows the league closely has this view. People, whenever your team doesn't have a superstar, you want to pretend that that they're, that you could be like the 2003-4 Pistons and that you can be the team that breaks the mold and, and wins the title. But like 80 or 90% of the titles go to teams that have an MVP candidate. And Jason Tatum isn't an MVP candidate now, but it, you know he looks like he might be the third best young prospect in the league, right? It, it, depending on how you think of people and beyond Luca and Zion mm-hmm. um, and who you think is young, right? If is Siakam young, <laughs> I don't really know uh, stuff like that. But so Ainge has always been open about the fact like you, he knows you need to get one of those players. They worked for years to get, to get Garnett specifically for that. They've made numerous other trades to get low probability shots, but some probability shots of, of getting that player. And so if Tatum looks like he could be that player. And so to me, that's what this is really all about. It's, Tatum one, Brown two, and then trying to fill in around that for the longer term. And now that right now, obviously that means Kemba and and Gordon and and other players um, and that they will probably try to cycle through other really well-established veterans to support those players, you know, support Jalen and Jason as they get older. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, like, if you really want to get into where the team is going and what they're planning for, it seems pretty clear to me that like, if you were to rank players by importance to the franchise in terms of like getting to a championship level, uh, Romeo Langford and Robert Williams would be like much higher than somebody who doesn't watch the Celtics on a regular basis would think. Yeah. That type of player is just super important if you have Jalen and Jason. Um, and so I think that's largely what they're building, you know, sort of looking towards It's like, okay, we have these two, an all-star potential all NBA MVP guy. What do we need to put around them to fit into Brad Stevens' system? And, uh, I assume Brad will be here for for the long term, um, and you know that type of player I think is maybe more important than uh, they get credit for in the general NBA landscape. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that kind of goes around with a lot of the young guys too. Like Grant feels like a guy who might not be like a star, might not be like super valued around the league, but has the potential to be a pretty solid role player. Grant's a little, a little more straightforward maybe. And, and right. Everybody has their own judgments about players and maybe I'm just wrong and he'll turn out to be much better than that. But I agree. Like he seems to be pretty straightforward. Like this guy's going to be a solid role player for a long time. He's the kind of player you need. Langford and Williams are more on the line of like, maybe, maybe, maybe that right. guy could be the third piece of this puzzle. You know, the third piece on the right timeline of, of this puzzle, particularly Romeo. I, there's a lot of people who look at last year's draft and like, they say, oh, I can't believe we didn't get Brandon Clark. I can't believe we didn't get Vincent Thibault. We couldn't get these players. And I always say like, you know, I don't know if I would trade Langford for those players, even if I think they're going to be most likely that they'll be better. Cause it's like, okay, a, a wing who can defend and handle the ball a little bit. And we didn't see much scoring, but he scored at every level before this. Like he seems like the perfect complement to, to Jalen and Jason with like a pretty high ceiling. Like, yeah, that's the type of player who I think is what the, the franchise will be looking for going forward is somebody who kind of fits that mold more than the Grant Williams mold that you can, a lot of times you can get that from a veteran for yeah, the for minimum sure. or something like that anyway. Right. No, that's a good point. If the season does come back, just what's like a, a like a pure basketball thing that you're looking forward to if they are able to finish this year and get into the postseason? I just miss the routine of it, to be mm. honest. Yeah. That's a weird thing to say. Like, I miss – I have a two-year-old, or a soon-to-be two-year-old. <laughs> I miss that she goes to bed, and then I go and watch a basketball game before I go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm a creature of habit, and I just sort of miss that that very routine element of it, just having something there every night. Um, and I, you know, I have a terrible memory for basketball games. Is that kind of thing? Like I can, I have a terrible memory for games. I never remember even the games that I went to, but I just like having it there all the time. In terms of the stuff like actual in-game things, I'm like every other Celtic nerd on the internet. I like watching Marcus Smart do crazy things. I miss <laughs> watching him. Uh, fly after a loose ball in a game where they're up or down 25 points and there's two minutes left and there's no reason for him to be doing these things and he's putting his life on the line for my own entertainment uh, I certainly miss that um, and then the other thing that I think everybody misses is that I miss Jason Tatum step back threes because that's the prettiest shot in basketball right now and I don't know where it came from but it suddenly materialized into the world and I would like to have it back in my life um Ryan, thanks a lot for coming on, man. We really appreciate this. Everybody, make sure you follow him on Twitter, at DangerCart. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.